The Devil Within, the hit true crime podcast, is back with a terrifying journey into the mind of a madman. In the 1970s, New York City had it all. Hip-hop, punk rock, and the son of Sam. The Devil Within, a season in hell, is available now wherever you get your podcasts. You wanted to see me, Miss Swinton? Have you been hearing about the new government modernization efforts? AI, RPAs, data science. Things are changing at this agency, and people will need new skills. Oh. I'd like you to get some training. Huh. Look at this management concepts catalog. Wow, over 275 courses. That's right, in local classrooms or instructor-led online classes. We still have budget in this fiscal year, so sign up online. Advance your career with courses from Management Concepts. Get a catalog at managementconcepts.com or call 833-578-8466. This podcast may discuss topics graphic in nature and possibly triggering to survivors. We value the safety and well-being of all of our listeners, so please practice personal discretion. Now, enjoy the show. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of the Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. You still think it's in my but I'm walking with the dead. Hey, Murder Diaries family. It's Paige coming at you solo this week. Natalie's family has unfortunately become a statistic of this crazy pandemic we are living through, and they are currently healing from COVID. Natalie is super busy trying to keep herself safe while trying to take care of her sick family members. She is fine. She does not have COVID and has been safe this far, as has her husband. But she is really busy just trying to keep herself as safe as possible and take care of those family members, which, as you can imagine, has been super exhausting. So we are going to be together this week. And to Natalie and her family, we are all here for you, and we are all wishing you guys nothing but health and happiness as soon as possible. I figured if I was going to be solo this week that I would go ahead and bring to you the case of Holly Peranian. I figured this would be a great case to do solo because it relates a bit to the case that I presented last week, the case of Molly Bish. As you know from last week's episode, Molly Bish, that I mentioned a case that was possibly linked from seven years prior. And that's what this case is, the case of 10-year-old Holly Peranian. Molly was actually the same age as Holly, and they were about seven months apart with Holly being about seven months older than Molly. They grew up about an hour away from each other. And Holly's case actually starts just three days after Molly's 10th birthday. If you remember, Molly had written a letter when she was 10 years old to Holly's family at the advisement of her church. 
If you have not listened to the Molly Bish case already, go listen to that. I read the note that she writes to Holly's family and you can get to know Molly's story a little bit better too and decide for yourself where you see connections. And maybe you'll see some connections that we didn't even see or that others have seen. Anyways, there's a lot of invisible strings between Holly and Molly, as a T-Swift song would say. And many do believe, both in the web sleuth, armchair detective community, as well as those in the Massachusetts community and law enforcement, etc., There are two other cases that are actually possibly attached to Holly's and maybe Molly's case as well that come out of Connecticut. These are the cases of Lisa White and Janice Pocket from 1973 and 1974. So this was all within 20 years. And this Western Massachusetts area that Holly and Molly were from is not far from the Connecticut border. So it is really hard to tell, you know, what is a connection and what's not since these cases were all most likely random acts and are all still unsolved. But it is really interesting to take into account all four of these cases, the two out of Connecticut, as well as Holly and Molly in Massachusetts. Duke's Mail. Do you get it? Because only the ones that get it really get it. Your friends get it. Your mom gets it. Your grandma gets it. Your neighbors get it. Sometimes a dog gets it. Get out of there. What else? Uh, your potato salads get it. BLTs get it. Tailgates get it. And restaurants get it too. By now, even you probably get it. So get it today. Made without any sugar since 1917, Dukes is that little southern something that makes good things better. Get Dukes. It's got twang. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now, and for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672, or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. So who was Holly? Holly Peranian was born January 19th, 1983. She was from Grafton, Massachusetts. She was the oldest of three siblings. She had two younger brothers, Andrew and Zach. In an interview, Holly's father also mentions that Holly maybe one day wanted to be a marine biologist and perhaps to work with dolphins. On August 5th, 1993, 10-year-old Holly and her family were visiting her grandparents Her grandparents were basically living in a cottage that was on a small fishing pond called South Pond in Sturbridge, Massachusetts. A neighbor's dog had recently had puppies, and some accounts say that they noticed kind of as a family these puppies on this neighboring farmhouse property, uh, maybe around the night of August 4th, and Holly, the next day, August 5th, wanted to go see if the puppies were back outside. Her dad said that, yes, she could go, but that she needed to take her brothers with her. And he mentions in his interview that he was really thinking about the buddy system. 
I personally think that's very 90s. There's nothing wrong with that. I remember myself growing up, literally running up and down the streets with uh, neighborhood kids around my same age and my sister just in and out of each other's houses and just running up and down the hill that I grew up on with really very little parental supervision there as far as what was going on when we were all playing together outside, the groups were kind of deemed safe. So this isn't really abnormal here and was pretty good thinking at the time, um, if I'm being honest from what I remember. Well, it turns out that only one of Holly's brothers was really interested in going back to see the puppies, and that was her brother, Zach, who was five years old at the time. So Holly and her five-year-old brother, Zach, head out around 11.45 a.m.-ish down the dirt path that was South Shore Road towards the paved street, which is called Allen. And it's believed that at the corner of South Shore and Allen is where the next events sort of take place. Zach and Holly hear some kind of bang Another account mentions some kind of dog scaring the little brother, but the majority of the accounts that I see, including an interview of the brother, mention a loud bang. And it frightened the little brother to the point of him just kind of feeling like, you know what, I want to go home. I'm not comfortable here just alone with you, so I'm going home. To me, I had a hard time understanding where in the journey to the farmhouse area or fence, et cetera, wherever the the puppies were hopefully going to be again, that Zach and Holly would have been at at this time. With that, Zach actually mentions in his interview that he actually remembers on his way back down the road, kind of looking back and remembers that last glance at Holly. He arrives home and Holly's father, Rick, asks Zach where Holly was. This should be mentioned that Rick was at the grandparents uh, with the kids on his own. Holly's mom and her father, Rick, uh, were no longer together. So Rick asks Zach, uh, where's Holly? And Zach tells him she's waiting for the puppies. So this is the part that kind of throws me off. And it's actually directly from investigators on the case from helpholly.com, which I will list again in the resources at the bottom of the episode. Uh, But this is what really throws me off. I don't know if that means that Zach also reached where the puppies were. And to be honest, he's so young at five years old. There's a lot that he kind of mentions that he doesn't remember as as well, which I think poses a few issues for the case of what maybe the older brother at eight years old at the time maybe could have remembered more had he been the one to go with her. So it's a little bit of a weak point um, in that he was five and doesn't really remember much, but it also throws it for me. So, you know, so you guys tell me what what do you think that that means? She's waiting for the puppies. Did they make it to the puppies? I feel like investigators don't 100% know, or at least to the point of public release of information, if that infers that they made it or if he felt like 
she would have made it on her own. I'm a little unsure. What this does infer, though, or what this does tell us, is that Holly was outside, alone, in the area of South Shore and Allen. Presumably waiting to go see if these puppies were going to be let back out on a farmhouse property. According to helpholly.com, around the same time that Holly and Zach would have been outside making their way to go see the puppies and maybe Holly was on her own, two teenage cousins recall that while packing up a boat and, you know, family vehicles, etc., for a family vacation, they make their way to the mailbox. And while they're making their way to their mailbox, a truck slows down from around 40 miles per hour or such to a almost walking speed. And the driver stares the girls down in a really creepy, lewd way. And they were very aware of it and hurried back up the driveway more towards their fathers that, again, were packing up a boat and probably family vehicles, etc. for that vacation. Well, the truck must have quickly turned around out of view because very soon after the girls saw it drive by again and stared at them again. Once back in the house, one of the girls also recalls that when she was looking out the bathroom window, it seems like she may have been looking out that bathroom window to see if she could notice that car again or see if it ends up driving by or parking near their house because the way it was explained was that she was very freaked out that both of the girls were. But at any rate, while looking out that bathroom window upstairs, it faced the driveway and she could see where she and her cousin were a little bit earlier. And she sees that car drive by again. This time it didn't necessarily slow down again, but it was coming from the direction of where Holly would have been. And This home, or driveway, I should say, in question, were about 200 yards from where Holly went missing. So it's very much of note. Let's get back to what's going on with the Peranian family at this time. So Zach comes back. He's alone. Her dad asks him where she is, and he says she's waiting for the puppies. Well, with Holly, 10 years old, about to enter fifth grade, and on her own, Rick, her father, was a little uncomfortable with that and was, as we spoke about earlier, kind of counting on the buddy system here to keep her and her brother safe if they ever wanted to kind of be out and about alone like that. So he was not cool with her being on her own and sent her eight-year-old brother, Andrew, to go get her and just, you know, bring her back. It's getting near lunchtime, and um, he didn't want her alone. No one was very worried 
at this point thinking she was in danger, of course, but, you know, Rick had his feelers up and he wanted her home. So Andrew goes out to get her as instructed and he comes home without her. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospa's hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful, soothing jets, and all your stress seems to melt away, like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better, too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Some accounts also say that Andrew and Zach went together, which may make sense if Rick uses the buddy system to keep his children safe at this point. With Andrew and or Andrew and Zach coming home without her, he steps into gear and sets out on foot. And what he comes across is so disheartening. He finds his little girl's red tennis shoe. I tried to find any information I could on this little red tennis shoe of Holly's. I don't know if it was a Converse shoe. I don't know if it was a random little Payless red tennis shoe. I really don't know. But when Rick came across it, he immediately knew something was not right. A book that was written about the Molly Bish case called Who Took Molly Bish by Sarah Stein mentions that Holly once attended a sleepaway camp. And at this sleepaway camp, the campers would put on skits towards like the end of the week or something like that. And this skit that was put on that summer was kind of like what to do if you're abducted. And when asked, I don't know if it was within the skit or because that's the topic and theme of the skit, but either way, Holly mentions that if she were ever abducted, she would leave a shoe behind just as she did when she went missing, which led to her father, Rick, finding her little red shoe. Another interesting fact is that the camp counselor, Joy, and Heather, Molly Bish's sister, are very close. And Joy's grandparents have a home that's not that far from Holly's grandparents' house. Joy was actually on that same road the same day that Holly went missing, and probably many other times. After it was discovered that Holly went missing, there was a general canvassing of the area, but a bigger search didn't take place until the next day. The search for Holly actually ended up turning into the biggest search in Massachusetts history until the search of Molly Bish surpassed it seven years later. Officials from Connecticut, Rhode Island, and Massachusetts all assisted. On October 23rd, 1993, the first day of bird hunting season began. 
And with that, two pheasant hunters discovered Holly's body on that same day in nearby Brimfield, Massachusetts. Holly's body was found in like a woodlands area, and it was about five miles from where she was last seen in Sturbridge. And what those pheasant hunters had actually come across was Holly's skull and partial skeletal remains. And state police were called to the scene as soon as they found the remains. Shortly after, they found a small-sized t-shirt, dungarees, which for you young folks is either referring to a brand of pants that were popular in the 90s or perhaps overalls, which were also super popular in the 90s and making a comeback. Either way, along with the t-shirt and dungarees listed, they found one sneaker near the partial skeletal remains. It's very, very hard to note considering that this was against Holly's will and she was so young, but helpholly.com mentions that from the scene where they found the clothing and her body, they were able to ascertain that Holly indeed had been stripped and assaulted by her killer, then murdered, possibly by strangulation, and left completely exposed in the August heat to the insects and the animals and the countless billions of microbes that would aid in the decomposition of her body. Holly's killer has never been found almost three decades later. That's not for lack of want, though. In 2012, a new development came about. A man named David Pulliot was linked by DNA to the crime scene and or Holly Peranian. It's not public knowledge what kind of DNA linked him or where it was found. He's still listed as a person of interest, but not a subject. You tell me why. Interesting enough, he was also actually named a person of interest in Molly Bish's case as well. We should note that this could also just mean that somebody very closely related to David Pulliot could have been at the scene as well. And if family members are also living in the area, this is definitely something that could be possible. The unfortunate news is that Pulliot died in 2003. So we may not ever really be able to get full answers in regards to him unless we link another individual and get a confession. A $15,000 reward was put out for information leading to an arrest around the same time. Police were really aiming here to get the phones busy again after about almost 20 years at that point in 2012. If we fast forward to 2020, a body of a 22-year-old male is being exhumed in relation to Holly's case. I believe this has maybe already happened. It was mentioned in October that this was happening, and it's going to, or it was, or did happen at a cemetery in Hampton County. 
The person being exhumed would have been about 18 at the time of Holly's death and was about 22 at the time of their death in 1997 from an overdose. The identity of this person has not been disclosed to the public, and it's definitely not the body of David Pulliot because David Pulliot was 49 at the time of Holly's death and about 52 at the time of his own death in 2003. Holly's cousin Leah said in an article in November 2020 that the exhumation was in search of a letter that had been placed in the man's coffin with potential information that could have been useful in her case. After almost 23 years in the ground, they're not sure what will be useful or usable. Again, Holly's case is still unsolved, even despite growth in forensics and events like a 2018 tips campaign and vigil that was held in Holly's honor to keep life in the case and her story alive. To this day, her younger brother, Zach, who went to go see the puppies with her that day, is haunted. He has suffered issues with alcohol abuse, and he's also been to a therapist that agrees he may have seen something that day but forgot it or didn't understand it. And my question is, did he dissociate? And that's why he actually ran. Uh, Was this all part of the bang? Did the bang come from whoever took? Holly? And did they act alone? That's another question that was brought up in a couple of these sources that, again, will be listed at the bottom of this episode. Zach actually seems to agree with that idea that he may have forgotten, not understood, maybe dissociated, um, and mentioned that in an interview, actually, even after I wrote that in my notes. So this is majorly possible and um it does sound like and he has mentioned that he has worked with therapists to see um what you know they can um do as far as memory melding regression etc to see if they can't um help solve this case so there's still just a lot going on in this case so anybody with information is encouraged to call the Massachusetts State Police 413-505-5933, or you can text the word SOLVE and your tip to CRIMES, 274-637. I hope you all enjoyed this solo episode, and we are all still wishing a very speedy recovery to Natalie's family and hoping that Natalie continues to stay safe and COVID-free. Stay tuned for the resources. And until our next episode, you can find us on Instagram at the Murder Diaries Podcast.com and at the Murder Diaries Pod at gmail.com. Don't be a stranger because we love to hear from you. Finally, please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen. Until then, better safe than dead. Bye. The resources for this episode are as follows. Private Investigator Barry G. McGuire's podcast, Boston Confidential, Holly Peranian 10-year-old child missing, case goes cold from September 13, 2020. Book, Who Took Molly Bish by Sarah L. Stein. ID Discovery Show, Dark Minds. 
episode from season two titled Blonde, Blue-Eyed, and Missing. Article for ABC Massachusetts affiliate WCVB, Body Exhumed in Connection with 27-Year-Old Unsolved Murder of Holly Peranian. Another article for WCVB, Family Hopeful About a New Lead in Holly Peranian Murder Case. Article for Mass Live, Massachusetts Unsolved Murder 26 Years After Holly Peranian's Disappearance and Killing Family Renews Plea for Help to Solve Case. Article for Western Massachusetts News by Jordan Jagolinzer. Investigation continues into unsolved murder of Holly Peranian from November 23rd, 2020 and helpholly.com. Is your daily grind getting you down? A Thermospas hot tub may be the solution. Just a few minutes under those powerful soothing jets and all your stress seems to melt away like you're lying on a cloud of bubbles. You'll not only feel better, but sleep better too. Call 877-861-4672 now. And for a limited time, save $1,250. Call 877-861-4672 or visit thermospas.com to schedule a free on-site assessment. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.